0: Welcome into a new episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thanks for joining us here today. Well, Senate majority leader, Mitch McConnell, says Congress will deliver a farm bill, but not likely in September. Roll call, says McConnell, told the Kentucky Farm Bureau that Congress is running out of working days on the legislative calendar before the current law expires on September 30th. McConnell is one of the highest ranking members of Congress to admit the timeline for a new farm bill is shifting past September. When asked about reauthorizing the five-year farm bill, McConnell says, quote, we'll figure it out, end quote. While the current bill runs out on September 30th, it looks like the new deadline for farm legislation will be December 31st. On January 1, some American farm policies will revert to 1940s-era controls on production and costly price supports. If the farm bill does get pushed to 2024, a one-year extension becomes likely as it is a presidential election year and both parties will battle for congressional control. The weekly U.S. Drought Monitor saw improvements in parts of California and Nevada because of the impacts of Tropical Storm Hillary. The storm brought record-breaking rainfall accumulations and incidents of flash flooding and mudslides. In the Midwest, light precipitation accumulations fell in northern Wisconsin, the upper peninsula of Michigan, and northern Michigan, drought conditions worsened in areas of minnesota wisconsin and illinois where both short and long term precipitation deficits continue areas of moderate drought or d1 and severe drought d2 were removed in michigan no changes were made this week in the plain states while some minor improvements took place in northwest wyoming and some conditions worsened in south central colorado while some improvement took place in areas of kansas and nebraska long-term dry signals remain in place through most of the region In the south, drought-related conditions continued deteriorating as the hot and dry pattern continued across most of the region. Well, last week, the Midwest Crop Tour wrapped up their 2023 expedition after traveling through corded soybean fields in multiple states. After predicting yield estimates for each state, they put all the numbers together to come up with the national harvest predictions for corn and soybeans with a national corn yield of 14.96 billion bushels and an average yield of 172 bushels per acre. Soybean yield prediction is 4.11 billion bushels and an average yield of 49.7 bushels an acre the national estimates reflect their views on production and yields and they consider the data gathered and weather conditions during the crop tour crop maturity historical differences in tour data versus usda's final yields and areas outside those sampled on the tour based on august fsa certified acreage data they increased harvested corn acres by 675,000 from august they didn't change the soybean harvested acres Mike Zuzalo, president of Global Commodity Analytics, talked about his initial reaction to the harvest predictions.
1: Well, I think it'll jump out at the trade. I think the trade was very much like a bloodhound on the scent with the soybeans and the yield dropping. But I would say a week ago, right before the tour started, I heard a lot of talk and a lot of chatter about how the corn was already made. The yield wasn't going to change much. And then as the tour progressed into this past week, especially midweek when we got into Iowa, Minnesota, and parts of Nebraska, the trade started to realize that we are looking at a situation where the corn yield can indeed be hurt. I think these numbers did show that when you look at the range of yield from 170.3 to
0: 173.7. And he also talks about the soybean numbers.
1: Soybeans are even more wide open now in terms of yield potential loss than what the trade was probably thinking at the end of the week. And so when I look at 48.7 to 50.7, if you're on the low end and you're down at 48.7, you're going to have to ration a lot of demand to not be in a 150, 170, 175 carryover number at this stage of the game for 23, 24
0: soybean ending stocks. Again, that's Mike Zuzalo from Global Commodity Analytics. Well, the ethanol industry blasted the Environmental Protection Agency's Science Advisory Board for downplaying the climate benefits of corn ethanol in a recent report. The Renewable Fuels Association argues in a letter to EPA head Michael Regan that his science board's claims contradict research by USDA and the Energy Department, the California Air Resources Board, and the University of Illinois. RFA CEO Jeff Cooper.
2: They ignored the preponderance of scientific evidence that's out there that shows corn ethanol absolutely reduces greenhouse gas emissions. All of those studies show that we're in about a 40 to 50 percent reduction range compared to petroleum.
0: Instead, EPA's Science Advisory Board says the best available science suggests there are minimal or no climate benefits from replacing gasoline with corn ethanol. We asked Cooper if the EPA, with its long record of stymieing greater ethanol use, is playing politics in favor of the White House's push to electric vehicles.
2: I'm concerned that there are members of this science advisory board that very much have a political agenda against corn ethanol and a political agenda in in favor of mass electrification of our vehicle fleet.
0: Cooper writes Administrator Regan that the science board's review was biased and that there were no scientists with biofuel expertise. Rather, there was the chief scientist from the Environmental Defense Fund.
2: They've been lobbying for the repeal of the renewable fuel standard and and lobbying against ethanol for decades. And so to think that you're going to get some objective, unbiased perspective from that organization is is
0: laughable. Cooper says he'll bring up his concerns during a September 21st Science Advisory Board meeting in Washington, D.C. The Economic Policy Institute says employers routinely underpay farm workers, among other workplace violations, but federal investigations into problems like these have dropped to an all-time low. The Institute says that's likely because of funding and staffing constraints. A new report says Congress must increase funding for labor standards enforcement to protect farm workers since 2000. The Labor Department's wage and hour division has seen investigations drop by more than 60%. The division only has 810 investigators to protect all 165 million workers in the U.S. That means fewer than 1% of farm employers get investigated every year. From 2000 to 2022, H-2A visa program violations accounted for almost half of back wages and civil money penalties owed by farm employers. The EPI wants Congress to stop humbling the Department of Labor and provide resources for strong investment in farm worker protections. And finally, here on today's program, USDA Deputy Secretary Sochil Torres-Small is going to lead the first-ever agribusiness trade mission to Angola from November 28th through December 1st. A foreign ag service is accepting applications from U.S. exporters who want to take part. Torres-Small says when it comes to trade opportunities, sub-Saharan Africa is both promising and often overlooked. The USDA mission to Angola presents an incredible prospect for U.S. food and agricultural exporters to expand and explore new business opportunities, quote-unquote. Angola is one of the largest markets in Africa, and imports make up more than half of its food market. She says that makes it a perfect location for U.S. exporters to introduce more American-made products to African consumers. Angola has a population of almost 36 million people, many of whom are middle- and high-income consumers, which means they're looking for high-quality import products last year u.s food and ag exports to angola total 236.8 million dollars that's all the time we have for this episode of american ag today produced by the american ag radio network i'm your host jesse allen wishing you a great rest of your day